Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I'm your host, Dina McKay, and I'm so glad you've joined me for a new episode. Today, I have Fabian Elliott and Dee Secamella, the co-founders of Black Tech Mecca. They're going to tell us all about the organization, which is based in Chicago, as well as reports they're producing. I can't wait for you to hear their story and hear about the successes and also the fellow techies that we talk about that you should start following. So let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I have two very special guests for the podcast today, and they're both part of Black Tech Mecca, Fabian Elliott and Dee Sacamella. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey. How you doing, guys? So to get started, for people who don't know what Black Tech Mecca is, let's give them an intro. So what is your organization and what is your focus? Sure. So I think um, one of the easiest ways we can explain this is that Black Tech Mecca is part think tank, policy shop, and an incubator for growth strategies um, for the Black Tech ecosystem. Um, We also host an annual uh, event called the State of the Black Tech Ecosystem that we've created to to get leaders around the world that are focused on on building strong black tech economies together so that we can share ideas about how we go about growing them. The think tank part is really focused on our research um, that really looks at how we might go about growing black tech ecosystems around the world. We're currently getting started in Chicago because Chicago has some really beautiful dynamics that work uh, to its advantage um, that I think are also really interesting to explore. The policy section is really just um, based on the insights that we receive from our report. So the whole goal to unearth data that helps us understand what's happening in the black tech community, those insights, those insights are really key to helping us understand as well what policies might either hinder the growth of the black tech community um, or might actually aid its development. Our education section really is focused again on our programming. Um, which is really focused on creating platforms for us to retell the story around black innovation and the way that, you know, we've done entrepreneurship in the past and how we're focused on building stronger innovation for the community in the future. I think that was a spectacular job. I mean, it's it's really just looking at, you know, everyone's focused on, you know, how can we be able to unlock the full potential of, you know, the black community and, and innovation and technology space and, I think what we're really proud of is how can we take the most systematic approach, you know, to make that happen, leveraging data. That's great because that actually leads to my next question. So you rarely see tech organizations utilizing data. So what made you pursue that as your method for your reporting? Yeah, so at a at a high level, I, I think it's it's ironic that, you know, we're living in the information age, and this is a challenge with the tech sector where, Big data, machine learning, and AI is not only the craze now, but the path to the future in that we're not redeploying big data and analytics and these type of things to solve some of the challenges within the sector, especially when it comes to diversity and inclusion, especially when it comes to uh, specifically the black community. And so for me, I, I think it's ironic that we haven't, this hasn't been tapped earlier and longer, more vigorously, uh, but I think that's how I kind of view it from the big picture is that it just makes sense to leverage tech and data and insights to solve problems uh, for the sector. But I think what really illuminated it for me firsthand was just from firsthand experience on how we were engaging and supporting uh, the black employee group at Google and leveraging data-driven strategies and just becoming curious about how some of those best practices could be leveraged into a city and a community. And I think just to quickly add to that as well, when we look at data from an education perspective, we really see it as an opportunity to to tell stories. You know, you're you're unearthing information and insights around the dynamics of a particular community and the way that we navigate spaces and the way that we create and the way that we innovate. And so this is a way for us to start documenting um, moving forward, that movement towards creating better communities, stronger communities, um, and better living conditions for our people. And so I love it because it gives us an opportunity to really find, um, to mine new information and to tell a different story um, about the community. 
And that's very true. But one thing I am thinking, so when you started this, you started creating your report, was it hard to find that data or is data available and we just don't utilize it? Good God. So, yeah, that's a complex, that's a intricate question to, to answer because it's a little bit of both. So, first off, there is, there, there is some data available, but some of the challenges that we face uh, throughout the research process is that for some of the key metrics that, you know, we wanted to be able to obtain, either sometimes they weren't being tracked at all or they weren't being tracked specifically by race or we were being all lumped in to a minority group. And so you couldn't really assess how the black community was doing. Uh, so there are definitely some challenges as far as data availability, but there is, you know, a, a, enough data and secondary data and ways that you can triangulate certain sources to at least get a better sense or better understanding than you would without doing any, uh, without even exploring it. That's interesting because in our minds, we just, there wasn't, the data wasn't even available, but it's available. We just, it sounds like we have to, there's a lot of data mining that goes into this process then. Yeah, and the other thing is where are we focusing? I think we, it was a big, huge step forward when a few years ago, you know, the larger companies started to release their diversity numbers, but that is just a small sliver of what our community needs to be concerned of as far as how we represent it in a handful of companies. It doesn't tell the whole picture, especially when you think about it. We're looking at these companies, but what about our neighborhoods? What about our communities? What about our cities and states where, you know, where things, are, where real life really happens and not just a corporate structure? And so I think that that was a big step, but now it's really time to start figuring out, okay, what data is available beyond just these company reports. Right, and your report actually breaks it down very nicely. So let's actually dig into the report that you have available currently. So you guys describe the black tech ecosystem in the report. Do you want to give the listeners kind of a description of from your experience of what you would define as the black tech ecosystem? Yeah, so how, how we look at the black tech ecosystem is really based on uh, three three main tracks. So academic, corporate, and entrepreneurship. And the, th the, the spectrum of engagement across those three tracks. So for example, for academic, you could look at K through 12, you know, non-traditional paths all the way up to, you know, higher education and universities. Uh, for corporate, same thing from entry level all the way up to uh, C-suite and, you know, similar for entrepreneurship. And looking at the what we call the folks participating in those different levels, what we think of as consumers, as well as the producers or organizations and entities that provide the resources that people need to either move up those tracks or to transfer tracks. And so what we really look at is uh, the black tech ecosystem as the, the, the culmination of the, black, the members of the black community that are engaging with their local tech ecosystem. So a micro ecosystem of the larger tech ecosystem. To add to that, it was important for us to really define um, or at least articulate the structure of this ecosystem because um, a lot of the times when we were talking about tech, right, people automatically think about entrepreneurship, right? And while that is one vertical of the ecosystem, um, we still have to consider the two verticals that are also at play. And so we wanted to um, create the structure and, you know, really propose it for the community to use as they think about their initiatives, mm -hmm. because there's an entire ecosystem at play here, just, not just one vertical. And there are dynamics at play as well that um, help them move together, right? Like they're, they're, you might start off in the academic track and then move into your corporate or maybe go from academic into entrepreneurship. But the whole idea there is that at every interaction, there is a resource that is required or needs to be exchanged for you to make that transition. And so we want to make sure that we understand from a data perspective what information can be gathered about each of those tracks. Um, and then where are the resource gaps, right? Can we understand what those resource gaps and what's causing um, the lack of those resources as well? So it was just important for us to have that holistic understanding of um, all of the players that are involved that, that have a stake in the black tech ecosystem and how they go about navigating it. 
And I love that you touch on the different verticals that are in the black tech ecosystem because, like you said, a lot of people focus on the entrepreneur part, and there's a lot of people who are working in corporate in the tech sector, but those are kind of the forgotten groups. We have to consider it, right? Like just in Chicago alone, when you look at the um, Computer Science for All initiative, um, it was a fin- it's a fantastic initiative, right? This is a fantastic feat for Chicago, but I almost yeah, felt as though, sorry, so the Computer Science for All initiative is, it's an initiative by the CS for All cohort and the Chicago Public Schools that has um, introduced computer science as a core subject, right? So now CPS students have to graduate with a computer science requirement. And the beautiful thing about this is that when we talk to uh, mainly entrepreneurs in the space, right, in the tech space, black tech entrepreneurs, the one thing that I have always heard them say is, I wish I found tech at an earlier age, right? Like, I wish I got involved with technology from an earlier age, not when I was much older. And, you know, when I, when I hear the criticism sometimes towards, you know, this initiative, because obviously there's a lack of resources, right? Um, it's difficult to get all these teachers transitioned and um, to get all the funding that's required for it to be successful. But the reality is that we have to start building um, this this conversation around technology and around innovation and building stronger tech economies needs to start at that level from from your K through 12 experience, right? Our kids don't need to, to just stumble upon tech at some point in their lives. We have to be intentional about providing them with a space where they can explore it, learn the skills that, that they need to for it. And if they, if they choose to go into it or not, um, it shouldn't really matter because, you know, there's so many subjects I'm sure that we all learned in school once upon a time that just um, weren't important. But, you know, computer science skills, I think, is the one skill that is really going to help us um, strengthen our economies in the future. And I just want people to be mindful of the fact that, you know, technology is it, it's an imperative in all of these different verticals. And we need to do better in supporting initiatives that are really um, working to change things at a systemic level um, and and create that table for our kids to sit on so they can they can make decisions around what our, what our um, communities look like in the future. I totally agree. I know for myself personally, I volunteer with organizations like Black Girls Code, where you're trying to help young girls and young men try to get into the tech and understanding of tech early on. But I really hope that more cities take on the initiative that they have in Chicago, where tech and learning how to program and just the whole computer science initiative is taken earlier in a student's career. So hopefully that will be something that will pick up in the future. It is, it, and it already has, right? Like we've seen mm-hmm. um, New York as well. They, they've taken on the CS Ball initiative um, and they've pumped millions, and I mean millions into this thing, right? Um, the, the White House as well, they, they heard about the initiative, loved it, and so they, you know, they did the gentle borrowing of the initiative. They took the name and everything, and so there's a CS for All you know, cohort under the White House as well. And the beautiful thing about this, you know, that I have to mention that I think is critical for the black tech ecosystem is that the woman and the leader behind, um, you know, the policy that eventually instituted this was a black woman, right? And this is what it looks like for us to have a seat at the table and to really fight for computer science as a social justice issue for our kids, right? Like this is what it looks like when we have people in our own community fighting for that type of, that, that type of equity. So. I'm not going to labor this too much. It's just that other markets have taken this thing on, and I think Chicago can do a better job of standing behind its initiatives, um, while initiatives that are born here. Right, and I love that you mentioned that it was a black woman who started the initiative because a lot of people, if you didn't say it, probably would have no clue who started the initiative. And it just goes to show that we are coming to the table with ideas. We do have a voice in this arena, contrary to some belief. Yeah, I think, Dina, one last thing to just round that out and like going deeper on that point of her being a black woman, I want to make sure that, you know, Dee talks about using data to tell stories. And I think it's important that like these, she's a hero, man. Brenda Wilkerson, like calling her out by name. Like she is one of my favorite humans on the planet. And I think it's interesting how that the recent announcement that came out this past week is she was just appointed as the new CEO for the Anita Borg Institute. Yeah. So she went from, you know, driving this local initiative to now 
being like one, arguably one of the most powerful tech organizations, period, but definitely for, for women. Um, and like now there's a black woman heading that up. So like I can't wait to see what she does with it and, and that intersectionality and how that really manifests itself. Right. When I saw the Anita Borg announcement, I was so excited and yeah. so glad that they chose her. She's such a great person. Very deserving. Speaking about being around deserving women, headed to Afrotech this year? Black Tech Women is hosting a brunch for all black women in tech November 12th, the Sunday after the conference. They invite you to connect and share experiences over great food and bottomless mimosas. Tickets are on sale now and can be purchased at blacktechwomenbrunch.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. So from your report, so we have the whole picture of what the black tech ecosystem currently looks like. What do we need to change so we can have a healthy black tech ecosystem? The simplest answer to what a healthy black tech ecosystem looks like is based off of our assessment framework. And so what we've been talking about to date with the three tracks, that is our BTE, black tech ecosystem map. So basically how we visualize it. But the other key component is our black tech ecosystem index, which are our 13 success indicators that we use to assess the health of a black tech ecosystem. So the blunt, though this isn't, this isn't a sexy, I'll give you the blunt answer and then a sexier answer. So the blunt answer is a healthy ecosystem is based on those 13 indicators and the metrics we have tied to it, like density, fluidity, connectivity, talent, culture, diversity, all these other things, that those metrics are uh, positive in that on our BTE scorecard that we use to, evi- uh, to actually uh, pr- provide a, a numeric score for an ecosystem that those scores are moving up and those metrics are moving in the right direction. So that's the nerdy geeky answer of like, what does a healthy black tech ecosystem look like? The the more like visual uh, piece of like what it looks like is a place where uh, the black community is able to not only just participate in all the, the tech sector growth that has happened, but to be able to benefit and actually drive the innovation uh, that's occurring in the black tech ecosystem and in the, the general ecosystem. So to me, when we've been able to actually, you know, unlock our full potential and all this dormant talent and to be able to maximize resources is when, you know, we'd, we'd have a healthy uh, ecosystem. I don't know, what, what would you say, Dee? I think you You've touched it all, um, but the the important thing to note as well about this the B, the BTE index is that at the core of it all, we want to understand what black, not what black, but rather what success looks like, right, for black people in technology. And I think that's an important question because we're not asking for any other faction or any other group to define success for us. I think it's imperative that we define what success looks like for ourselves. And so these indicators, are, they, they are, you know, in essence, just success indicators that help us understand what success looks like for us, right? Um, because I think it gets difficult when we're, we're constantly trying to create um, communities that sometimes mirror other factions um, who, who have certain resources um, and access that, that we may not have. So I think we need to pace ourselves when we think about the growth um, of, of this ecosystem. And we should really just get better around um, defining and structuring our own communities so that, you know, we can, we can really put ourselves in the best position to, to define what success looks like for us. And that's a great point that you mentioned, Dee, is not rushing. Because a lot of times we feel like we have to rush and be the first one to do something. And it takes time to build the right community and to have the right people in place. So I like that you pointed that out. Fabian likes to say a lot that, you know, we're at this point because it's taken centuries and centuries of discrimination um, and abuse and, and systemic um, dynamics that have really um, put us behind in certain areas, but culturally we remain relevant, right? So it's going to take as many, well, as long a time really to undo some of these things, right? Like you're not just going to put together diversity initiatives and think that you're solving something. In fact, that's so counterintuitive and it's 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 really... It's one of the things that tends to irritate me a bit about the the diversity and inclusion conversation, right? That it it doesn't get to the core of the issue, and 
instead we have people funding initiatives that really um, aren't going to help us move the needle forward in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really does irk me to see that because it's, it's not helping. Yeah, the, the last thing I would say too is like when like my perfect world of like how a healthy black ecosystem would operate because we were talking about a lot of the outcomes and what would that look like, but it's having, you know, high connectivity between the leaders and folks that are doing work, you know, in the space and connectivity, meaning, you know, communication flow and then having coordinated action taking place towards measurable growth. So where we have these benchmarks of where we stand with the BTE index and scorecard and that we have a plan on how we're all going to work together and contribute to move us forward. Because when you look at the the Chicago ecosystem in particular, you look at 1871, you look at the Polsky Center, University of Chicago, these are some of the same handful of folks that are going around and launching 1871, launching Matter, launching Polsky, and they're they're coordinated, they're organized, (laughs) and they know what they're doing. And I think if we're trying to contribute and, you know, move forward in the ecosystem, that we need to be able to learn from that and, and, and have our own type of coordination that works for our community. Yeah, it's a very tight network. Yeah. You know, like once you realize how the same players are the ones that are um, establishing some of these key incubators in the city, mm-hmm. you realize, you know, what, what dynamics are really at play here. Yeah. And that we've got to do better. Mm-hmm. Isn't it crazy how you see how everything is connected once you jump in and you're involved in the actual movement of how things are working and you're like, well, everything's actually really connected if we, you know, actually took time to think about it. And that's that's what an ecosystem is about. It's, you know, these different elements that are interconnected and working towards the progress of one vision. Um, And that's why it's important for us to start looking at what those elements are for us and how we coordinate them better. Right. And, and, Dina, this last thing I'll say on this point is that this is no, this is common sense. <laughs> like everything we're talking about, hey, let's work together, let's measure things. Like this is common sense, but I, I think the 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 underlying piece that we're gonna have to get right as a community is trust and being able to trust each other, build that trust back up because that's gonna be that foundation that. If we're not able to get that in place, then collaboration can't happen. None of these things we're talking about can happen. Exactly, because trust is the foundation of every relationship, right? Yep. So, Dee, I do want to go back and touch on something you mentioned with the whole diversity and inclusion topic. So we obviously know this is a hot topic these days. So let's start off with asking, what does diversity and inclusion mean to you, and what does it, I guess, in the perfect world, what would it look like to you? Um. Gosh, we talk about this all the time. For me, diversity and inclusion is an opportunity, especially in, in the tech space. Because um, I think for the black community, it's not our silver bullet, but it's a nice shot to be a catalyst to help us kind of accelerate our progression forward. And so how I kind of see it is, hey, if this is now a highly relevant topic and people are all for diversity and inclusion, like, uh, we need to take that tailwind, you know, for black empowerment <laughs> and to move things forward. So um, I, when I think about the diversity and inclusion space, this is just, you know, Fabian's perspective on it is like, okay, cha-ching, this is our opportunity <laughs> to like, uh, you know, get in on this action, you know, as a community. Um, I, I acknowledge that it's important for the overall community, city, and, and industry growth, but uh, for me and like what drives our work at Black Tech Mecca, you know, looking at it as a tremendous opportunity for our community. Yeah. So I think in addition to that, for me, right, as a as as you know, I don't speak for anyone else. Um, it has value. Um, and you know, even for us talking about black tech ecosystems, um, it, it it helps to contextualize the work that we want to do, right? Because it's a hot topic. And it's on everyone's tongue and everyone's forward. And, you know, and this is not just in tech, just across industries, people are fighting for DNI, right? Or they, they are advocating for DNI. But for me, um, I, I think that when we're talking about empowering communities, um, for the BTE, for the Black Tech ecosystem, diversity and inclusion becomes a product of the work that we do when we empower our community, right? 
So empowerment is what leads my, um, my intentions. And I think DNI becomes a product of that. It's a byproduct of it. Um, and I just want to work to, to really empower the black community um, to use all the creativity um, and, and the ideas and just the lived experiences that we have um, to continue innovating. Because this is not a new conversation about us just coming in and, and, and really innovating. We've been about it, right? Just even across the globe, when you look at black and African culture, um, there are a lot of um, businesses and ideas that, that we have inspired, right? Um, let's not even start talking about gentrification and how people can just extract value from us as a community and then throw us away as the value provider, right? Um, but I, I want people to really stay focused on the mission. When I think about DNI, I think about DNI internally, right? Like what does diversity look like within the community? Because the black community in itself is multi, it, it's, it's multifaceted, right? Like we're not just, um, I think sometimes we, we, we struggle because people look at us in a really um, homogenous way, right? Like they see us um, in one particular, with one particular lens, but there's just so much color and culture and variety um, in, in being black, right? That I want to explore what that looks like from a tech perspective, right? Um, and that's when you really start digging into intersectionality, right? Um, what's happening with black tech men and black tech women and um, the, you know, the LGBT community within the black tech ecosystem and the disabled community within the black tech ecosystem. And, you know, when we're thinking about these initiatives, are we, are we being intersectional, right? Like, what are the different um, opinions and perspectives that exist within this ecosystem? Because we need all of those, those perspectives to build this community. This community isn't going to be built by one um, perspective where, with a group of people that agree about everything. That's just not how it's going to work. So I want to explore some of those internal dynamics. That's what diversity means to me. Um, that's what inclusion means to me. And I think that if we can just focus on empowering our communities, we're not going to be so so hell bent on fighting for DNI. Um, in, in you know when it comes to the corporate sector, which I'm not saying doesn't matter. I think it's valid, um, but I do think that we need to we need to keep things in perspective and not forget as well that. There's a stat, and I can't remember where it comes from, but the two top employers for black people are black businesses and the government, okay? So if we want to see more black people working in tech, we need to encourage and empower innovators and entrepreneurs in our community to start businesses, to start um, employing black people. So that's 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 DNI for me. <laughs> and that's very, very interesting. I mean, it's great points. It's just crazy how... You can ask so many different people what it, what does D&I mean to them, and the definition is different almost every time. There's no one complete definition of what diversity and inclusion means. And no. I really appreciate that you said we need people in our community, if they start these businesses and they're entrepreneurs, to actually look at their community to hire and support their business. And it all goes all right. back to what Fabian mentioned about being basically being a team and working together and having that trust right right and those are some of the most challenging bits though right it's like the obvious the obvious solutions are also the ones that are challenging to actually institute and that's that's what makes this work um challenging but also rewarding because i think if we don't if we don't get into the work of struggling with these ideas then we're not going to move forward but let's struggle with them and let's let's try you know um, it doesn't help for us to know that it's difficult to not try anything. Then we would have failed without even knowing what the possibilities may have been. Let's 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 give it our all and let's work every day to to keep up the good fight. Exactly. I think a lot of people get discouraged because you know you're fighting for this cause and you're not seeing the actual result that you may like to see, especially during a certain time period. We live in a time where everyone wants something immediately. Yeah. And I think that people have to realize it takes time. Like you mentioned previously, you know, we've gone through a lot of years where there was discrimination and everything's not going to happen overnight. If it took years and years to discriminate, it's not going to just happen overnight that everyone's going to be included. And I think that we need to take some time and realize and reflect on that. It's real, so guys. For the long run, then good luck. Hey, because you're overnight. <laughs> Um, things are just not going to hold strong. Yeah. People need to be in this for the long run. While we're on the topic of diversity and inclusion, 
What are you doing October 17th through 19th? If you're in the Bay Area, I highly recommend that you attend the Tech Inclusion Conference. If I could sum up the conference in two words, I would use solutions and everyone. It's a tech conference that's focusing on creating a more inclusive culture in the tech industry. And there's some pretty awesome speakers on hand for the conference, including the head of Google X and the co-founder of Reddit. Also, if you're looking for a career change or job in tech, Tech Inclusion is hosting a free career fair on October 17th, so make sure you register at sf17.techinclusion.co. Hope you can make it. Now let's get back to the episode. And on a lighter note, you guys are in it for the long haul because you have a second part of your report coming out. So can yes. you tell me a little a little bit about what's going to be in the second half of your report? Sure. Okay. Take it. Yeah. So, yeah, the... We've been really thrilled with all the engagement we've had for our initial report, and that was just that was just the appetizer. That was just the thesis. This is how we conceptually think about things. But what makes our next report on Chicago so exciting coming up is that it's a tangible application of the concepts and ideas that we talk about in our first report put into action for a city. And so... This type of assessment or analysis for the black community, by the black community, you know, for the tech community has never been done in any other city. And so we're really excited to be able to uh, release that because what we've done in this study is applied the framework that we have, you know, 13 indicators, looking at the academic corporate entrepreneurship track and pulled as much data as we could possibly find in our findings and insights. And so what you know i'm really excited about is where it's the the perspective and information that's going to help to share on where chicago stands and how chicago also how chicago stands in comparison to some other markets so in a few areas of the report uh, we compare chicago to 11 other markets and so uh, i'm just really excited for being able to you know produce and manufacture new information right. about the black tech ecosystem that will not only help us continue to do our work and move forward, but will help empower uh, so many other folks who are either already doing work or want to get involved. Yeah, and just also integral to this report is um, our ability to just sort of shed light on some of the gaps because we want we want you know um, producers in our ecosystem. To, to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty, right? So if you see a gap in there and you have an idea for an initiative or, you know, you're asking yourself what your contribution can be, look at some of the gaps that exist that um, our report shows and get involved, right? Contribute. This is it's a community effort. Um, and just, again, like I said, be in it for the, for the long haul. Like, don't think that it's just going to be an overnight solution that works. But look at the gaps to find an opportunity for, you know, where you can personally contribute. And where can everyone get the report, the first one and the second one? So they'll both be on our website. Um, and first one's there right now. So the first one is already on the website. Um, the second one will obviously be in the same section. And even as we, you know, we promote it across all of our social channels, if you look there, you will find a link to the site and to the report. Um, through one of our platforms. Yeah, but a pro tip would be anyone who wants to make sure that they don't miss it, I'd recommend that they go to our website, blacktechmecca.org, and uh, sign up for our email newsletter. Right. And so then uh, when we blast it out, when it's first ready, um, it'll be in your inbox, and you don't have to uh, stalk us on social media if you have better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting enough, you mentioned something in the report that I was actually going to ask you as a question. So okay. you said in the report you're going to compare Chicago to 11 other markets. And in my mind, I've seen you guys have gone to multiple other cities, and you've seen how the ecosystem is in different cities. How would you compare the Chicago ecosystem to another city? Yeah, I'd say we could just go with our most recent example. Uh, last weekend, we were in Grand Rapids um, because they were having their very first, like, dedicated uh, like diversity tech kind of like mini summit, you know, over the weekend. And so we went to speak with them and share, uh, like, lecture on our framework and what the work we're doing in Chicago. And I think this is a trend that I've noticed going to other cities is that 
different cities are just at different parts of their maturity process as far as as a general tech ecosystem and as a black tech ecosystem. For example, here in Chicago, we have so many different initiatives that now it's about, hey, how do we keep score? <laughs> you know, how do we better work together? Uh, versus in Grand Rapids, they have one organization that's doing anything for black tech <laughs> uh, that, that we're aware of. They only have one organization doing anything for black tech in Grand Rapids. That we, yeah, so the Midwest Tech Project that we're our hosts and who we were working for uh, with there and um, from our conversations, uh, they're the only folks that are definitely active. Uh, I don't know if there's any like legacy groups that might have a presence but aren't really on the scene. But um, that was just one of the, the starch contrasts where it has its pros and cons. Where in Chicago, we got to figure out how to play nice together and move forward together. But the opportunity they have there is even though they're kind of starting from scratch, they can use some of our principles to like really build something special from the ground up. That's just so interesting. I guess because, like you said, in Chicago, we have a lot of different organizations who are, like you say, we got to learn how to play nice with each other. And to hear that they only have one and that they can basically have a grassroots effort and build from the ground up is very interesting. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, Grand Rapids is one. And then, um, like you said, we have been uh, kind of touring lately. And even last year, I did a five-city tour uh, with NBC Comcast, and it was similar, like just going to different cities and uh, seeing like what's happening. And um, that, that's one of the, the main pieces that kind of stood out to me was just we're at different parts of the journey, but we can all learn from each other as well. And there's a, a big opportunity for uh, knowledge exchange and even service and deal flow exchange where uh, being able to build up interconnectivity with between these different cities I think is going to be something really interesting because that'll make it more advantageous for anyone as far as if we're just in Chicago, not only being connected within Chicago, but if you have an offering, a service or a product, you know, being able to use that interconnectivity to engage with other cities or get deals in other cities, I think that would be really interesting. I think that would definitely be interesting too. So I can't wait to see what happens in the next few years with that. Oh, yeah. So I want to make sure listeners know you're not just writing reports. You also have an annual event every year, and that is the yes. State of Black Tech Ecosystem. And yes, so and that's I my favorite. Guys... <laughs> yeah, I'm so let excited. You... can't let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> I will let Dee explain what that event is. Okay, so just to contextualize it, um, when we when we look at building ecosystems, we look at um, really driving this activity at a city level, right? So looking at Chicago's Black Tech ecosystem, looking at New York's Black Tech ecosystem, looking at Miami's, and so on and so forth, right? Um, it's very it's a very city focused um, effort. But the state of the Black Tech ecosystem is really that one platform that we're using to bring all of these different players together to have a global conversation, right? around the black tech ecosystem and then um, our, our respective ecosystems. And so this um, we created really just to have, to create a platform one for, for players in this ecosystem and for our leaders to share ideas around how um, we're developing it, right? How they might be doing certain things in, in, in their own cities that are working. We want people to be able to share some of those frameworks and those lessons. And then we also just want to, to create a space for us to have um, just honest conversations around, um, you know, what's happening in the ecosystem and what we can do better. And then just talk about, you know, the future. Um, there's nothing more exciting than just being exposed to ideas around how we're building the future, right? Because the future that, um, the future we want wants us. And I, I just think that we have a neat opportunity to come together um, and be very clear on some of those ideas. And again, to share those very many perspectives that are important um, and matter to the growth of this ecosystem. Um, and really, our goal with SBTE is to um, to curate a network among our leaders, right? So to connect you all um, to each other and to like the different initiatives that we have going on. Um, we want to empower the community with knowledge and connections and to motivate you to drive measurable, measurable change in your local ecosystems. Um, and then we just want to also unite 
um, players across national and international tech ecosystems so that, again, you can have that exchange of like actionable ideas that are anchored um, in our BTE index. So that index that we spoke about earlier, this is the event where that comes to life, right? Where we talk about fluidity and mobility and infrastructure and economic diversity um, and all the other indicators that we have there. This is where we educate the community as well about what those things mean, right? And I think the interesting thing and the exciting thing about um, really bringing those indicators to life is for people to learn new language, to learn new ideas, to see new opportunities um, as they relate to those indicators, because some of these things need initiatives to push them forward, you know? Um, so there's so much opportunity and we, this is a space where we get to explore them and um, to share them. Um, and then the last thing really is just to, to facilitate the collaboration between um, our government, academia, creative, um, and, and general industry so that we can build solutions on a very practical level for the ecosystem. So that's what the, the state of the Black Tech ecosystem is for. Um, if you are um, a member of a civic institution, if you're a DNI leader, if you're a researcher or you're in academia, if you are a producer in the Black Tech ecosystem, a media professional, um, a government official, um, or even a community developer, like this is your thing. This is the event for you. And this is your opportunity to connect with people who are not afraid um, to build and to, to do so boldly and unapologetically. So Dee, obviously you're very passionate about this. <laughs> so yeah, I wanna- it's exciting. <laughs> I wanna know who are some of the speakers that have come in the past that really stuck out in your mind? Yeah, so just again, background. Um, our first one was such a Chicago-focused conversation, but again, we were so young as an organization, we're like, whew, to focus this on Chicago alone is really limiting, right? Because there's, there's a greater conversation that needs to happen here. So the second year we expanded it, which was this year, and we brought different speakers from, um, from around the country to come in and talk to us about their experiences and their perspectives. And I have to say that Jenny Clark, she works at Google and she was an absolute hit with the with the crowd because um as a as a DNI leader herself, right, she works for recruiting for their senior employees. She really spoke about the dangers of having leaders who are not competent to lead, right? Who have not been trained, who don't know how to to handle people and to work with people. Um and I think just some of her perspectives are so rich and so raw that she really resonated with the crowd. So I'd say Jenny Clark has been an incredible one that everyone always talks about when they talk about um, SDG from this year. Um, we also had Sherelle Dorsey, who I just think is an incredible, incredible um, woman. And then I think a thinker and writer. Um, Sherelle is really one of those people that I think has a lot of depth um, when it comes to the tech industry and just her ability to articulate um, these dynamics is so rich and so um, it gives you so much perspective around, you know, what's happening in our tech ecosystem and just with black entrepreneurship as well. Um, so she runs the only newsletter that is dedicated um, to covering, um, you know, the, the activity around um, black tech entrepreneurs and just the ecosystem in general. Um, if if people don't know, because I think you had her on your 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 podcast already, Dina. You know they can sign up for the plug to get those daily news. Um, so those were two people. We also had Nico Yuck, who is the only black woman that owns um, a, a business intelligence business in 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 data visualization, and she was really dynamic. And she got to talk to us just about some of her her experiences growing. We also had Felicia, who I cannot not mention. Felicia Hatcher with Black Tech Week, another dynamic woman who absolutely just lights up a room the minute she walks into it. Um, she's got so much experience and depth in, in, in the innovation space. And her, her goal really is to rid um, Black communities of innovation deserts. So those are some of the, the people that we've had. We're looking to bring on even more dynamic people um, for the next one. So people need to stay tuned because this is going to be our most exciting one yet. Yes, and if the listeners sign up for your newsletter, then they will get that information firsthand, right? Exactly. They will. They will. And there are a few announcements coming up quite soon. So, you know, get in on it. I know I'm signed up. And also, I just want to put in a plug that 
So when I saw Jenny Clark speak at <laughs> speak at the event, so I was with Jenny Clark stand before she spoke there. I actually met her. I was doing volunteering for an organization that's first generation college students and being a mentor to them. And she came yeah. and spoke to the group. And she just has this way of drawing you in from the first yes. two seconds that she starts talking. And you're just like, I got to know this lady. And then she was speaking at SVP. Oh and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> she literally just makes you feel better about yourself. Or at least she gives you, she gives you perspective that it empowers you because it makes you realize that you know, when you're talking about DNI, that you're not crazy and that a lot of these efforts are just a waste of time, you know, and she'll tell you straight up, right? Like, stop, don't just um, pump money into these, these community initiatives. That's what's happening on an internal basis, right? Like, is the work that we're seeing with your corporate social responsibility reflected with the teams and the kind of people that you're hiring to run your company, right? Like, is, are we seeing that same type of um, um, seriousness when it comes to DNI? Uh, so she she's really cool with that. I love her. I love love her. And actually, people who want to see the past SPTE events, they can find that on your YouTube page, right? Yes, they can. So you just go onto YouTube, search for Black Tech Mecca, subscribe to our channel, um, and you'll be informed every time we upload new videos. But um, our live streams from 2016 and 2017 are both on there. And we also have a few videos that people can, can check out. So we are live on YouTube. We're also on, just for reference, we're also on Instagram. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And then again on newsletter. And so you guys are doing all these great things. You've created this report. You're doing the SBTE every year. So tell the listeners, what are some of the biggest hurdles you've experienced thus far? Yeah, I think <laughs> hurdles, a couple of them that come to mind is, first one was, being uh, identity. So with our focus being black tech ecosystems and there being a lot of moving pieces that go into that, I think that one of the things that we had to overcome, especially in the earlier stages, and I think we're just starting to turn the corner, is just being able to be really clear with folks about what our role is in the ecosystem and what we do and what we don't do um, as far as uh, being really clear, hey, we don't teach kids how to code. We don't help people launch their businesses. You know, we are focused on helping cities grow their black tech ecosystems. And I think that was a piece that uh, was challenging in the beginning because we'd get so many just off-the-wall requests and people coming to us for uh, help and guidance and different things of that nature. So I think uh, just identity, um, that was a challenge. I think that's a challenge for anyone starting anything new is – uh, being able to really articulate you know, who you are and what you do and, what, and most, most importantly what you don't do. Uh, one of the other hurdles, I know we talked about the research process and things of that nature, but people don't forget, man, this research we're doing, it's not cheap, bro. <laughs> I know it's firsthand. Like to like get the people that have the skills to do proper research and the time it takes and paying those people for the time it takes. Um, it takes resources. And one of the hurdles was I remember – firsthand for myself is fundraising for the research versus fundraising for our event and going to different organizations and where a lot of them would be more interested in supporting a one-time event that just comes and goes versus being a part of building something totally new and, you know, a, a report that's first of its kind and is, you know, evergreen and lives longer than just one day. And so I think the hurdle or challenge there was just having people be able to understand the importance of, you know, research. Dee, any hurdles from your perspective? Yeah, I think just to, to echo the first um, hurdle that Fabian mentioned, because I think there's a lesson in this even for people who are listening who might be driving initiatives. When you are thinking about introducing a new solution into the marketplace, I think one of, one of the, one thing that you can do to really help um, build a strong brand for yourself is to to find your niche, right? So when we first launched BTM, we didn't have a data focus. Like we weren't really focused on on just being a think tank, right? It it was a lot bigger than we had this this platform that we wanted to put out, um, and you know we we had this metric system that we wanted to create to help us understand how we were progressing over time as as a black tech community. 
um, and it was it was it was a very it was a wide net that we had almost casted to see what was really out there for us. And so it was only after about a year and a half that we pivoted our brand to focus mainly on data because we realized that that was the gap that um, existed in the market. And so we had an opportunity to really take that up um, and to to do some neat work there. Um, so for anyone who is thinking about carving a brand, like really look at what your niche is, look at what your contribution is, right? I think the best way I can, I can articulate it is based on how um, we think about research and how we've also been, you know, guided to think about research as a conversation, right? What conversations exist out there and what is, what is the new perspective that I want to add um, to this ecosystem and how might I build a, a brand um, that is really focused on it and help people understand who I am and what they can get from me. Because sometimes when there are too many options, people just feel way too overwhelmed, right? Like narrow it down um, so that you can articulate something that is coherent and really digestible. Um, so I think that was the one hurdle for, for us has been um, and was just getting, getting that brand down to that one niche. So when we finally arrived at it, um, everything began to make sense around how we structured our team, around how we structured our goals, um, around how we structured our fundraising. Everything just became so much clearer when we had a particular focus that we could set our sights on. And so that was just with the brand. I think the other hurdle, and I think this is a hurdle for, for um, any new teams and even I think existing companies, right? The people that you hire or that you bring on board to bring the ideas that you have to life are critical to it, um, to, to, the, to the growth of that particular idea or even just realizing it, right? You could have the dopest idea out in the market, but if you have the wrong people behind that thing, it is going to fail, right? And you could have the most, I don't know, basic idea but if you have dope people behind it they can make that thing look like a shining star okay it can have a lot of impact so i think the other thing for us as well has just been people right like who who are we putting behind these initiatives that we're creating that can help us you know really make them impactful be very careful about the people that you bring on very very careful <laughs> i can i can never stress it like it's it's a pain point guys but be careful about the energy that you bring on your team, the experience that you bring on your team, um, and the mindset that you bring onto your team as well. Be, if there's one thing that you scrutinize to the end, let it be that one thing. And those are two great points that I'm so glad you highlighted, especially identity. I think a lot of people forget the notion of if you don't have a mission statement or your values, you'll almost fall for anything because you don't even, you haven't defined what your identity is. Oh, know yeah. what kind of partnerships you're looking for. And definitely who you bring on your team is very, very, very important. And I know in my yeah. last podcast, I had Rohan Gilts of Inclusion on, and he talked about that so much. You need someone, you need people on your team who value the vision just as much as you do. You need people on your team yeah. who understand what you're trying to achieve. So that's just very, exactly. very Important. They have to understand it, otherwise they can't get creative about how to bring it to life, right? Like that's that's basic common sense. If they don't get it, no one else is going to get it in that way, right? Because then they won't be able to help you articulate it or to create for other people to get it. So get people who get it. <laughs> that's the one thing I can say. And that's also just it's a challenge, having to like find that talent, but stay committed to that. And also I think you, you said something around um, – you know, when you when you don't know that identity, you don't you also you don't know what to look for, right? And I think that's just that's a general lesson in life. When you know what you want, when you know who you are, you also know and you can recognize when certain resources are made available for you to take advantage of, right? Or when you need to connect with certain people because they can help you move forward in something. You know what to look for. And the same rings true for your brand. If it's not defined um, really well, and if you don't know like where you're going with it, then you're not going to know when a particular resource has come to light for you to use, or you won't even know what, what direction to go into, right? Knowing yourself, knowing who you are, that's, that's just you um, putting yourself in the best position 
to get guidance and to be directed in the right way. I totally agree with everything you just said, Dee. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's hard to say, but sometimes people don't, if you don't know yourself, then you're not going to know where you're going. So it's important to have that already instilled in you before you start something. Yeah, or, or get on the journey of finding out what that is. There's, there's nothing wrong with that either, you know, and I think that's, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship um, is that, and doing the work that we do is that you learn so much about yourself on the journey, right? And you really begin to flex muscles you didn't know you had. And so that, that journey of discovery is, I think, one of the most rewarding things about, um, about entrepreneurship in the midst of some of the challenges that you will undoubtedly endure. Um, you just get to know yourself. You get to learn to trust yourself. You get to um, trust your own ideas. You seek less validation. If if those things aren't happening for you right now and you're running something, then something's wrong, <laughs> right? Like if you're not learning to trust yourself and you're not learning to make better decisions, then you're not growing. Um, so so really be be present and be intentional about using your entrepreneurial journey um, or even creating anything, even if you're creating, you know, initiatives, within corporations, just be intentional about, about growing from them and learning more about yourself as you go. Exactly. And my next question then is going to move to the lighter side of things. So what are some of the biggest successes you've experienced so far? Obviously, you have SBTE is a success. Your report is a success. Is there anything else that you would like to note to the listeners? Gosh, I mean, those, especially the report, the research process, like, I, I, that is probably in my mind one of the big, the biggest success because it's the foundation to guide all of our activities and where we put all our energy uh, moving forward. So, I mean, it, I think those are, those have been our most tangible uh, contributions to this date. You know, anything else would be like I'm not going to count media coverage and like those type yeah, of things because nah. it's just it's, it it's is what it is. soft. But right. no, I think those. From my, my perspective, um, have been like some of the biggest wins yeah. that actually make a difference. Yeah, and also just, you know, with when people email us and tell us that, hey, like your guys' report has been so helpful in helping us, um, you know, make a case for, for resources to come into our neighborhoods. Um, we recently had one with, you know, a group that's in the west side of Chicago um, when they were applying for a grant to to get like a hundred K for Hold on, no, you gotta do the story justice. I have to do the story justice. Yeah, so let me tell so you. Please do yeah. I'm about to You gotta get the numbers the right. Big numbers. Oh, okay, uh, excuse me. Sorry about mm-hmm. that, darling. But yeah, so the quick story there is um and this is probably one of been so it's been so heartwarming for me. Um I was speaking at a general assembly event at M Hub and um after I finished uh a brother came up to me and he just happened to be from uh, Bethel New Life, and they have in the West Side um, not only a church, but like a nonprofit and tech incubator and trainer. And he told me that, um, well, I congratulated him on they had recently received the Blackstone, um, uh, the Blackstone, uh, not sponsorship, but uh, a grant for $250,000 to, you know, expand their programming. And I wanted to congratulate him on it, but before I could congratulate him, he was thanking us because they had actually referenced our framework and how we view the ecosystem to be able to articulate how their initiative would impact it. And it was a big part of them being able to uh, win, win that grant. And so I think that's like, we just happened to stumble upon that. We just ran into the guy, but like, I think those are the type of stories and like real success that we look forward to being able to learn more about in the future. Yeah, because this is what it's for. Like, we don't just do this research so that we can understand what's happening in the ecosystem, um, you know, to drive that coordination. But it's, it's for, for people with ideas, you know, who want to get a better sense of how they can contribute. It's for you to use um, so that you can make a case for the things that, for, well, for the progress that you want to see in your community. So when that happens, you know, when things like that happen, it's always very validating and exciting to know that it's, it's doing something for someone. That's so awesome that someone used your framework and actually that's just, I, that story is so heartwarming. I, 
and what a way to end the episode, but with that sweet story from Fabian and Dee about how they're impacting the tech ecosystem. So in this episode, you learned about Black Tech Mecca and how they're impacting the tech ecosystem. You learned about the reports that they're producing, which their new report is currently available on their website right now. So I suggest you go check that out. You also heard and learned about people who are affecting the tech ecosystem, such as Jenny Clark and Sherelle Dorsey, who actually has an episode on the podcast as well. And there's actually some more details to learn. There'll be a part two of the D and Fabian Black Tech Mecca episode, which will be available very soon. So stay tuned.